Welcome to the Intellectual Freedom Podcast. Here we analyze politics, culture, technology, personal growth and development, and society at large through the lens of critical thinking and open-mindedness, not demagoguery and partisan hyperbole. I'm Dr. David Hopkins, Humanities Professor, your host and guide. So without further delay, let's get started. Welcome, everyone. I have a great guest here. I've been waiting for him. So pumped to have on with us. You know, I love to talk about health and all of you that listen know my health journey from very sick and overweight to losing 45 pounds after an ER visit back in July of 2020. And just the incredible revitalization, not not just physically, but mentally. And so I am a huge believer in the mind, body, spirit, philosophy. Uh, We have to address all aspects of ourselves to be our best self. But for me, I know I had to get my body right to get my mind right. And so this conversation is so important. And I have with me today, Mr. Ben Tanner. He is a medical professional, a physician assistant, and he's worked in emergency medicine, urgent care, and and family practice. He's actually made himself a, a, a sort of an expert in the field here of fasting and as going all the way back to 2016, uh, he started check developing uh, an interest in various forms of fasting and using these techniques to improve not only his own health, but helping friends, family and his patients to do the same. So I am incredibly pleased to have you on the podcast today. So let's, Ben, let's just dispense with some of the formalities. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your career, and your journey that has you here on my podcast here today? All right. Sounds good. Thanks for that introduction. So, well, um, I grew up in Missouri, and uh, maybe that's going back too far, so I'll jump ahead. But um, I... I so after college, I actually initially went to podiatric medical school um, or podiatry school, as it's sometimes called. Um, and I did that for a few years. So that was to become a foot doctor, foot and ankle doctor. But after a while, eventually, I decided to switch career paths. So I did that for a few years, actually did a lot of the, what we call the clinical rotations there in podiatry school. And so that was where I really started to get some kind of close up hands-on experience in the medical field. Um, But eventually I decided to switch and become a physician assistant instead or a PA. Um, And so I I started PA school in 2011, uh, graduated in 2013, and then I started working in the emergency room. And I did some part-time work in um, family practice and urgent care. And I guess one thing I should mention that I kind of skipped over quickly is when I was in both I, sometimes I just call it medical school because we took mostly the same classes as the medical students in podiatric right. medical school. So, so when I was in med school and PA school, um, of course, we had those biochemistry classes, those physiology classes, and then those other more kind of medical classes. Um, and I learned a lot about various things, and I developed an interest in nutrition. Um, right. But in retrospect, they didn't teach us that much about nutrition and the stuff they were teaching us was kind of a, a few decades uh, behind the times, wow. more or less, <laughs> is kind of how I would say, look at it in retrospect. Um, and then once I started working as a PA, um, it was a few years later. Um, so in 2016, you know, a couple of years after I'd started working, um, that I stumbled onto a few videos and podcasts and, and later books um, that kind of filled in a lot of those gaps and kind of helped me connect what I had learned previously uh, during my schooling to kind of what I was seeing in the real world and my own personal experience. And it just kind of all came together. And one of those things I learned about was fasting, how it's, it's really an ancient practice, but it started to become more popular in the modern environment. After for a few decades there, we were told that we needed to eat all the time, you know, small, frequent meals. That was kind of the dogma. And right. that was never really based on any good research, you know, extremely limited um, research that would support that at all. Um, and it turns out it was a terrible idea to eat all the time. And it basically <laughs> tends to make people fatter, sicker, give them diabetes, et cetera, especially if it's processed snacks, mm. processed food that yeah. most people eat these days. So, right. so, uh, so that kind of sort of almost takes us to the present, um, other than the fact that you already mentioned, well, you kind of mentioned, alluded to that fact that I started a, a website about fasting um, and, you know, got really focused on it, did a lot of research and, 
And right. I don't really use the word expert, but you know, I've learned a lot about it. I've learned right. a lot about it and right. um, have some things to share. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, well, don't worry about being from Missouri. I was born and raised in Iowa. So I come from that, that, that neck of the woods. Up there. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I've been down in Florida a long time. Midwest yep, connection. Born yeah. and raised up there. So, so yeah, you know, it's fascinating the nutrition aspect in, in colleges because when I went through all the stuff I was going through, I was reading and researching and, and it's, it was amazing when you see documentaries from doctors who literally never, almost never study nutrition. It's like, it would seem like that should be almost a cornerstone of, of studies to, to understand how the human body operates efficiently on, on food and, and the things we put in it. But you're not the first time I've heard that story that a lot of times that just is not very present inside of the inside of the traditional university walls. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah it's it's very limited. Um, you know, the amount of time we spent on nutrition in both of those schoolings was pretty limited. And the stuff that we were learning was was a little outdated, crazy. as I mentioned. <laughs> yeah. That's just crazy, crazy. So I, I think I read somewhere that over 60% of chronic health disease, it's preventable, you know, meaning if you get your diet, your exercise, making healthy lifestyle choices, that sort of stuff, limited drinking, cutting out smoking, all these things can actually help prevent death in a huge number. But what have you found as some of the big health problems, you know, just from your own practice and, and working with patients, what you're eating that, that are the biggest problems in America that inter intermittent fasting or fasting might be able to help with? Yeah, so uh, I recently heard a term, diabesity. Mm -hmm. um, so of course, it's kind of a melding of diabetes and obesity, right, but right. it, it kind of refers to a spectrum that affects more than half of American adults. Half. Um, more, wow. Yeah, greater than 50%. Some That's estimates crazy. as high as 80% of this spectrum, and the spectrum is what we would kind of call pre pre-diabetes, which includes something called insulin resistance. So when you're, when your body's making too much insulin and it doesn't work as well, and we can talk more about that, of course. So you've got your, right. your insulin resistance, pre-diabetes to diabetes. Um, and of course the obesity that often goes along with either pre-diabetes or diabetes. So that's kind of a spectrum and it literally affects more than half of adults in the United States. Um, so I, um, so in terms of like what health problems I see, um, much of it falls under that umbrella. So of course, working in the emergency room, we see all sorts of stuff, but it's just uh, remarkable how many of those uh, cases, how, how often the person who's affected, you know, is either significantly overweight or has high blood sugar. You know, now it's like every other patient is like, oh yeah, and I was told I have diabetes or pre-diabetes or or, you know, any combination of things. Um, and then there's, there are a whole bunch of other medical conditions or chronic medical illnesses that stem from that same root of the insulin resistance and diabetes and obesity. So it's, it's kind of this, I don't know, this tree where that's the trunk and there's all these different things that kind of branch off of it. Um, so, I mean, I see, I see everything under the sun, whether it's, they come in with, for an infection on their leg or a blood clot in their leg or of course there's right. the recent covid context oh, sure. um, where people with those types of metabolic issues the diabetes the obesity were at much much higher risk of having serious disease with covid and still are i mean i was using past tense there for a second but right right, right <laughs> continue right. to be at, at much higher risk of having a, a serious a serious case a life-threatening type of case from from covid19 um, so that's, you know, recent context, but everything, you know, everything like heart attacks and strokes and, and even certain abdominal problems, et cetera, et cetera, lots of skin problems that are just more likely among those people. So all the things that we see kind of skew that way to some extent. Right. Yeah. That was me. Abdominal. I was, I was in with gastrointestinal. I, well, I was in once and I had a blockage and that was a horrific surgery. They cut my abdomen from almost the top to the bottom and got the blockage out. And then this last July, I was back again after it took like eight, nine months to heal from that stupid surgery. And, but, you know, I went right back, back to my old lifestyle, which was terrible. I was working all the time. I was eating all the garbagey fast food. I was, I didn't care if it was processed. I didn't care about the sugar. I didn't care. I was, I worked out. I've always worked out, but I never took care of my diet ever. I just never I just assumed if I work out it, that's good enough. And, and 
you know, it, it's amazing the changes and, and I'm not, I haven't done the intermittent fasting, but you know, I gotta, I gotta ask you this thing. So you get these patients with all of these things in there and, and they know they need to change. What, what do you think it, why, why is it just, they won't give up the change the diet? I mean, what, what, what is the thing? Is it, is it not appreciating what could happen in the future? Cause it's not quite bad enough yet. See, for me, that's what it took. I literally got smacked in the face with the second ER visit and I was horrified. I had another blockage and I was horrified. I was going to go through nine more months of, thank goodness it wasn't that bad. It was just an infection. They gave me an antibiotic and cleared it up, but it scared me to death. And from that day forward, I, I changed completely. But what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a combination. So you mentioned like the wake up call you get when it finally gets bad enough. Yeah. Um, and that's relevant because, you know, a lot of people, that's what it takes to kind of be like, oh, well, now you have diabetes or oh, now you have a, you know, intestinal blockage or now you right. just had a heart attack. Um, yeah. Like sometimes those kind of things are a wake up call enough that somebody's like, okay, I guess I'll make some changes. But the thing is, in this modern food environment, it's like pushing a boulder up the hill <laughs> to, 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 try to do anything healthy oh, with your, yeah. with your diet. So, I mean, yeah. almost literally every street corner has either a fast food restaurant or a convenience store, which are just completely packed with processed junk food. And that's what, you know, that's where a lot of people go when they need a snack yeah. or just need a quick meal or, or whatever. And even right. once you leave those and go to the actual grocery store, it's still like, three-fourths of what's in there is processed junk food. Right, um, right. It might be a slight exaggeration, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not much. <laughs> yeah. And, and so once people get used to eating those types of foods, so in case this is too abstract, you know, I'm talking about things like um, white bread, um, you know, snack cakes, sugary <laughs> cereal, um, you know, Pop-Tarts, cookies, yeah. cakes, yeah. popcorn. Um and, uh, you know, a bunch of other, basically any food that comes in either a box mm -hmm. or usually bags and other packages as well, but not every bag, but like anything with a box and a barcode, yeah, like so, al almost a hundred percent is so, processed so, junk. So if you leave it on a counter and come back in five years and open it up, that's probably not food. It's a food like substance of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> the phrase. The phrase is food like substance. Yeah. So like most of what people eat nowadays is not really food. It, meaning like your great, great grandparents wouldn't know what it is. They wouldn't recognize right. it. Right. And, and so if that's the case, if your ancestors wouldn't recognize it, it's probably not really it's not a whole food. It's probably not a healthy food and it's right. part of the problem, but we're surrounded by that stuff. So there's this yeah. modern food environment and that's mainly because the food industry makes tons of money off of getting us hooked on this stuff. Right. Um, so that in, and I'm so I know it's a little bit controversial, but I certainly do think that it, this type of food is addictive, particularly sugar, sugary things, but also other processed carbohydrates. Cause one thing that a lot of people don't understand is that um, processed carbs, in other words, like white flour, almost any kind of flour or potato products and so forth, they turn into sugar right away once you eat them. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, this author, David Ludwig, I think he's a Harvard professor. He's written a few books. He has this quote that below the neck, your body doesn't know the difference between a bowl of cornflakes with, with some sugar or a bowl of sugar with some cornflakes because uh, they're the same thing once they go inside your right, body. Right. Yeah. So that's true of any like processed carb. Um, yeah. It's going to turn into sugar. In other words, glucose in your body quickly. And of course there's the sweetness aspect and it's, you know, there's, there's some research that suggests um, that sugar is equally as addictive as hard drugs. Um, so, so we've got this food environment where we're, we're surrounded, it's ubiquitous, the processed junk food, the stuff that's made in these factories where they're, who knows what they're doing to it, right? Where it's crushed up and combined in these ways that their food scientists figured out to try right. to make it as palatable as possible with just the right combination, right, right, doing all these tests. So I think, you know, if people are like, oh yeah, I'd like to improve my health. And then, you know, they, every five seconds, they see McDonald's on the, and, you know, and they have this craving and they're already hooked on it. 
And then when they're at the store, they see all these things that they're kind of addicted to and they're, they're already in their house and their kids are used to eating them. And so they can't stop buying them, you know, because their kids would complain. And so it's, right. it's just, yeah, it's just this really, um, you know, this, uh, this momentum that is hard to change yeah. in terms of the way people are eating. Well, and I agree. It's completely addictive. I know I lived it uh, after that. And when I went to a whole foods diet, I don't eat any processed sugar. I don't, I don't eat processed anything in a box. It, it comes from the vegetable. It comes from the, the fruits. It comes, you know, the, just whole foods, regular. It's addictive. I know it's addictive because I went through the process of going in a grocery store and having to go to the one corner where they actually have real food versus 90% <laughs> of it that's full of boxes and cans and all kinds of stuff. So, so I, I completely concur with that, but let me snap this back to this, to the fasting. So, mm -hmm. so what is it, what, what is it that fasting does in your body that helps combat some of these health issues that, that you've already mentioned. Yeah. That, yeah. Great. I'll address that. So I thought maybe it'd be good to mention just very briefly, kind of like in case anyone's not really familiar with what we mean by intermittent fasting. Oh, fasting. absolutely. So yes, absolutely. Um, I heard a good definition recently, just a simple way to think about it, which was think about how, how your ancestors probably ate and they probably had some kind of dinner before it got dark outside. And then mm -hmm. they didn't eat again till like breakfast because it's called breakfast for a reason, right? Break fast. Right. Um, so if you just think about stopping eating before it gets dark outside uh -huh. um, and then not eating till, you know, eight or nine in the morning, that already is quite a bit longer than most people go without eating. So you've got the sleep uh, time, but sure. you, you're going to add a few extra hours if you stop after dinner or stop before dark. Right. Um, so that's going to turn into, instead of just the eight hours of sleep, now you're going to get the eight hours of sleep plus a few more hours and probably get up to 12 or 14 or 15 hours of not eating anything. Uh -huh. um, so that's just a way to put it in perspective and okay. an easy way to think about it, I guess, yeah. um, that I thought was kind of helpful. But why does fasting help with these health problems or why does it help in this junk food environment that we've been talking about? Well, it kind of goes back to that diabetes thing and specifically what's called insulin resistance or okay. excess insulin. Technical term would be hyperinsulinemia. So there's this hormone called insulin. It's extremely important um, because it is the biggest regulator of your blood sugar um, and also a huge regulator of fat storage. Um, so it has a lot to do with energy storage and things like that. So every time you eat any food with carbohydrates, especially processed carbs and sugar, insulin goes up. In other words, your pancreas pumps this insulin out into your bloodstream so that it can go all around your body and start pushing sugar into muscle cells and fat cells. So it, it wants to get that sugar out of your bloodstream. So it's got to put it somewhere, it, you know, pushes it into those two types of cells. Okay. And so it makes your fat cells grow. <laughs> so it's like yeah. fertilizer for fat cells. So anyway, uh. <laughs> insulin goes high when we eat that kind of food. And so since people tend to eat processed food all the time, you know, several times throughout the day, then insulin is spiking, 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 and it's just chronically high. It's high all the time. And right. so when you have too much of something, any hormone, whether it's insulin or, or almost any other hormone, your body says, Hey, there's too much. I got to turn down the signal. So it's like, if the music's too loud, you're like, oh, I got to turn it down. This is too much. Or I got to put mm -hmm. in earplugs. So it mm -hmm. says, no, 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 I, I, I can't listen to all this insulin. So it kind of gets rid of some of the receptors or starts making it so the receptors don't work as well. So it's turning down the volume. So you get what's called insulin resistance. In other words, insulin is high. It's excessively high, but your body's not really responding to it as well anymore. And so as a result, lots of things happen. Insulin resistance has been linked to almost every chronic disease. It either, wow. either causes or significantly contributes to, you know, let's mm -hmm. list a few diabetes. Of course, it's basically literally the cause, the definition of diabetes is having high insulin and high blood sugar type two diabetes specifically, mm -hmm. but, um, insulin resistance is also linked to heart, heart problems, heart attacks, strokes, dementia, like Alzheimer's, infertility related to things like polycystic ovary syndrome, um, and the list could go on and on. But those are just a few, you know, to kind of whet the appetite. Um, but there's this book called Why We Get Sick. It was mm -hmm. written by Ben Bickman. He's a PhD researcher about insulin and other things. Um, and he, he basically was able to connect, you know, physio using physiology, was able to connect insulin resistance to almost 
literally like 90, you know, whatever percent, almost every chronic lifestyle illness that, that we have been seeing more of these mm, days. That's so, crazy. so there's this thing called insulin resistance. It contributes to almost every kind of health problem that people are having, including obesity, of course. I didn't even mention that, but that's right. like almost Seems a given. obvious, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> because remember, insulin, what it does is it makes people fatter because uh, mm-hmm. it like one of its uh, one of its targets is the fat cells. So, sure. um, so the way to kind of change insulin resistance, there are basically two ways to do it, right? You could change the type of food that you're eating which would be like what you did, right? Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. saying like, oh, instead of this processed junk food, oh, I'm going to eat some real food, whole foods kind of thing. Right, N- right. Not the store whole foods, important no. distinction, because <laughs> right, they do right. have a lot of junk food oh, in, in my that gosh. store. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> Just because it's gluten-free and organic doesn't mean it's healthy. So you got to right. what's actually in it. So, um, But yeah, whole foods as in real food. Um, so that, and and sometimes taking it a little further, like if you're, if you're no longer able to process carbohydrates effectively, then sometimes taking away all the carbohydrates, uh-huh. and which is what we would call a ketogenic diet right. or a very low carbohydrate diet, is right. another way to effectively combat insulin resistance and all the things that come from insulin resistance. Um, or, and or, you can do both, obviously. You can change your diet and do fasting. But the, the alternative is to eat less frequently. And when you eat less frequently, then your body has these intervals where it can let the insulin kind of start coming down and the blood sugar is coming down. And then after a while, it has a chance to kind of start fixing and correcting some of those issues related to the insulin resistance. So the insulin level will be lower and you won't be as resistant to it after a while. If you do some time restricted eating, which is like that daily fasting, a little bit of fasting each day, or Or you can sometimes reverse it more quickly by doing a few longer fasts here and there. Hmm. Okay. So, you know, I think you may have experienced some initial apprehension from, from some people about fasting. I I know after I lost 45 pounds, I'd have people say, Oh my gosh, you look completely different. What did you do? I need to do it. I say, well, I don't eat sugar and I don't eat processed foods anymore. And they're like, Oh, uh, yeah, okay, that's great. <laughs> that ain't gonna work for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go buy my diet pill. So nobody wants to do that. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to do that. But so can you go over like just some of the most common questions and the concerns like you get from people when you try and explain because I mean, that value looks incredible. I mean, if you're pre diabetic, or if you're way over, this seems almost like, I mean, don't want to say anything's a silver bullet, but goodness gracious, it seems like it's it's one of the best thing you can do. So what are some of the common questions or concerns you get related to the, to the fasting? Yeah. And just to reiterate, uh, I mean, I guess if you were to take eating real food and doing some fasting here and there, like that combined is pretty much a quote unquote silver bullet. It could like yeah. get rid of more than half of the health problems we're dealing with these days, yeah. um, at least in the United States. So, but yeah, to answer your question, so common objections. So the biggest thing is just people think we, we've been so conditioned since about the 1980s that we need to eat all the time. Right. We've been, and, and of course the food industry has every incentive to get us to think that, right? To sure. think, oh, you need to Absolutely. eat quote unquote healthy snacks throughout uh-huh. the day. That's uh-huh. that's how you lose weight, sure, which makes yeah. no sense at all once you start thinking about it. But like that's what we've we've been brainwashed to think that the way to lose weight is to eat snacks all day long. Uh, so just I mean, if you just stop and think about that, <laughs> it's insanity, insanity. Yeah. So so uh, the food industry has huge power, huge lobbying power. So they have a big impact on research that's done. And like the outcomes of the research, um, Mm. because when people look at it after the fact, they find that, you know, research that's funded by the food industry much more frequently agrees with kind of, you know, the conclusions that that would support them. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Or like Coca-Cola was secretly funding this guy that um, he, he did the Twinkie diet. So he, he, (laughs) yeah. So this was a thing like 10 years ago. So, so he lost like a hundred pounds on the Twinkie diet. Um, as allegedly, at least, you know, right, I don't right. know if he was literally, but so basically he was just eating these snack cakes 
and but he was cutting calories that was the idea that he was like he was he had reduced his calories versus what he had been eating previously but he was literally just eating snack cakes and supposedly lost like 100 pounds or something and he wrote he wrote about it you know and the article kind of went viral like 10 years ago so a lot of people don't remember this but um but it came out after the fact coca-cola was funding his project unbelievable so coca-cola was trying to influence us indirectly to think that calories are the only thing that matter doesn't matter how much sugar you consume and things like that so the food industry has that has the clear connection to the government they do all sorts of lobbying they do some research that we know about they do some things that we don't know about and they have a lot of power and they're trying to persuade us to eat all the time so i guess the reason i bring that up is is to just kind of indirectly answer your question which is it feels like since the eighties is about when it became like uh, it seemed like the right answer to like, Oh, I need to eat small, frequent meals. I got a, and of course the low fat craze was part of this, like, sure, sure. which turned out was terrible advice to, to right. try to eat low fat all the time. Um, that goes hand in hand with it, but like people have grown up. So anyone under the age of 30 or maybe even 40 has grown up with this constant message that you need to eat all the time. And of course, the constant availability of very pleasing, hyperpalatable food. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, which has gotten more and more entrenched. So, so, so the biggest objection to fasting is just like, oh, that seems unnatural. Right. Right. Um, and yes, it seems unnatural in this modern food environment that's only existed for about fifty years. But how much of human history is that? You know, it's like much, much less than 1%. So it's just this, yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. So that's the biggest objection is just like, oh, this doesn't seem like a normal thing to do. Well, yeah, if you look around. (laughs) There's no doubt. And again, I can only reflect back on me because, I mean, there was a period where I was 245 pounds. I'm down to like 197 pounds now. And that you're just surrounded by it everywhere. And, you know, in now I'm so over it. I don't even, you know, I haven't been in a fast food restaurant in seven, eight months. It doesn't even phase me anymore, but Mm -hmm. I guarantee you when I first started and I'm driving down the road after a day of work and there it's sitting to keep on driving and not to go in there. I mean, it's everywhere. It's everywhere enticing you for whether it's stopping to get a milkshake or a full meal or a whatever it's just it's all over the place so yeah you make a good point that like when you if you first make a, a dietary change like that and start cutting out some of the processed foods it's like any addiction like yeah. you're gonna have withdrawals and it's you're gonna have these frequent cravings mm-hmm. and then as time goes on they'll get less frequent and more manageable so um so yeah like uh, the modern food environment versus think about what some of our ancestors did you know, a hundred years ago or 500 years ago or 5,000 years ago, or like right, however right. long, I don't know. Um, but what, but in other words, they didn't have a refrigerator or a grocery store or a fast food restaurant. And so they right. had to go out and find food in, in many cases. And as a result, not only would they do this so-called intermittent fasting where they wouldn't eat, you know, after dinner or something until sometime the next morning, but they would sometimes have to go a day or two without food. And so mm-hmm. that was actually the normal human activity. Right. Um, so that's what our bodies got used to through evolution and, and things like that. And so uh, so that's a big objection to fasting. I guess the next one would probably be, I'm going to get hangry. Like that they're just, they just think that they're not going to feel good or be right. able to focus. And, Start taking it out on their family and friends and uh, throw their yeah. computer at work or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it turns out that's actually kind of just related to all this processed junk food um, because mm. people get into this cycle where they're all, you know, every hour, let's say, or every two hours or whatever, it varies right. a little bit, but pretty frequently people are either having a meal or a snack um, that has a lot of sugar in it or a lot of processed carbs, which I mentioned earlier, just turn into sugar right away in your body. So it's the same thing. Um, and so they get these blood sugar spikes And when they get this blood sugar spike, the insulin follows. So insulin goes up when the blood sugar goes up, you get an insulin spike. And then they both come crashing down. Um, So about an hour after these processed food type meals or snacks, 
people tend to feel hungrier as a result of the food that they ate before that. So because their blood sugar actually goes slightly below the kind of normal baseline when it comes crashing down. So they get these cravings and they feel like, oh, I can't focus and I'm not feeling good. And so I got to go, what do I need? I need more of the same thing, you know, that I had an hour ago, some more of these potato chips or, you know, any number of other things. So that like the feeling of hangriness, hanger, is mm-hmm. actually more related to the junk food that people eat than to the a- activity of not eating. And and when you start doing some kind of fasting, like the hunger, it doesn't keep getting more and more. Right. Like sure, the first half a day, yeah, the first half a day. Mm-hmm. But actually, um, there's some some different hormones involved. And one of them is called ghrelin, and it's known as the hunger hormone. Uh-huh. Um, it's a little bit lesser known. It's you know kind of a recent topic that people are talking about. But ghrelin is this hunger hormone, and you know it goes up and down each day and stuff. Um, but what they've shown is that when people do fasting, the longer you fast, the lower your ghrelin gets overall. Uh-huh. So your hunger hormone goes down, and there's a bunch of other changes. That's just kind of an oversimplification. But um, right. in my experience, the longer you fast, the less hungry you are, basically, as in like those what we kind of think of as hunger now, like, sure. oh, I can't I can't focus. So I got to go eat and stuff like right. that. The longer right. you go, kind of the better it gets, meaning like sometimes when I do a slightly prolonged fast, like a couple days, a few days, something like that, um, yeah. you, you get less and less hungry, not more and more hungry. But yeah, I understand in like the two hour short term, people are like, oh, I'm going to be hungry or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. So I think those are the biggest two objections. There's a million others. Um, Some people think it might be unhealthy just because, again, we've been conditioned to think that we need to eat all the time and that somehow, you know, our bodies are going to implode or that our metabolism is going to crash or or that something terrible is going to happen if we go more than a few hours without eating. Right. You know, it's funny when you describe that second thing, it almost sounds like a drug addict who takes a hit and then you know, it wears off. And then what do they need? They got to get another one and another and another. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Um, yep. <laughs> so, so Ben, tell me, so let's get real practical here. So, so if, so if I wanted to break into this or someone listening wants to start fasting, like now they've never done it say, or maybe if they did it, it was just one little thing. So if you were going to advise us, how would you incorporate fasting into a lifestyle? You know, what I found is if these little fad hits here and there, they don't work. I mean, there's so many pills and diet plans and things you can buy. So so if we wanted to make this like a lifestyle, but break in slowly, how, how would how would you get it done? What would you tell a beginner how to do that? Yeah, well, first of all, start slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't go from zero to 60 overnight. Right. It, think of the opposite of a New Year's resolution. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> new- probably a good thing. The New Year's resolution is, oh man, I'm so excited. I'm going to make all these changes and it lasts for two days, right? Right, right. Yeah. yeah all so, there. so let's do the opposite of that by, okay. by picking something that's easy and sustainable and then gradually building on it. Um, okay. But I think, I think probably the best first step, well, there's a couple first steps that you could take. So it's like dealer's choice, let's say. Okay. But, but one of them would be to switch out some of the food you're eating, some of the processed food you're eating with unprocessed food. Now, mm-hmm. does that make you do fasting? No, not necessarily. But but the point is it, it starts to gradually make some of the same positive effects in your body right. that fasting would eventually do. And so it's kind of like easing you into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not going to have such crazy fluctuations in your blood sugar and, and your insulin and things like that. If you start switching out some of the processed junk food with things that, again, your ancestors would recognize as food. So right. that, that's that can be all sorts of things, but just anything that's not like ground up and crushed up in a factory and sold in a box, basically. Right. <laughs> so right. so that's one possible first step is just to at least change out part of what you're eating with whole foods. But uh, if you just wanted to focus on the fasting and just ignore the, the diet, mm-hmm. I think the first step would be to stop snacking. Mm, okay. So in other words, focus on your meals. You can still have three meals if you want breakfast, lunch, dinner. But if you were to just remove the snacks, then you're mm-hmm. already doing intermittent fasting. Sure. And that's because again, you know, if you're like a typical dinner time is maybe like 7 PM. Um, right. So if you didn't eat after dinner until breakfast, that would probably be at least 12 hours. Sure. Yeah. 
um, give or take a little bit. And for mm -hmm. some people, it'd be more like 14 hours. And mm -hmm. so that's already what some people often call intermittent fasting. Okay. It's just that that like kind of time restricted eating or fasting overnight and just pushing it a little bit longer. So right, I think the right. very first step and what I would advise someone to do if they want to try it out is just to try going without snacks, but eat good quality satisfying meals with healthy fats, high quality protein, et cetera. Don't just have some little skimpy meal where you're trying to cut calories or something. Right. Don't worry about calories at all. Right. Um, just have a good breakfast, good lunch, good dinner, and then see if you can. And even if you can't go the whole day without snacks, maybe just try it between breakfast and lunch or between lunch and dinner. And then when you're ready, try it after dinner until breakfast the next day without snacks. Right. Okay. So so let's take it one step further. Let's say, I'll just use myself as an example. I'm on a whole foods diet, but I don't, and sometimes I might eat after dark. I don't, I don't ever snack really, because what I've found on a whole foods diet is I don't, I don't ever feel the need to snack. And, and if I am snacking, um, what, what tends to happen is I'll, I'll grab a handful of nuts or maybe a apple or some other fruit. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm good. Yeah. So if, if it was somebody beyond just a basic, these basic tools you've given, what would somebody who's a, a more intermediate faster, what are some examples like to a next level once you get past that intermediate level? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I think it's good to, to take it one step at a time. So, you know, like, like I said a few minutes ago, like just kind of keep it easy, gradually build on it. So once, once you've mastered the art of not snacking, then you'd be ready to move on to kind of the next step. And, and there's no rush. Like it doesn't mean like two days without snacks and then you got to try something else, like go a few weeks or a month or two, and then, right. you know, let your body adapt a little bit. So, it, you know, don't have as many growing pains as you work through it. Mm -hmm. But once you're ready, um, basically the next step in most cases would be to just shorten your eating window a little bit to see how that works for you. So for example, if you've been doing the no snacks, but you have breakfast at 8 a.m. and dinner at 7 p.m. So you've been eating between about 8 a.m. and let's say 8 p.m. because maybe you take a while to finish dinner or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's like a 12 hour eating window. Right. Um, so you would take that 12 hours that you've now kind of gotten used to and you might shorten it a little bit to 11 or 10 hours. And so by to, well, the way to do that naturally would be to eat breakfast a little later or to eat dinner a little earlier. Mm. Or, you know, you might consider just skipping one of those meals altogether, but then you, then you would like spread the other two meals out, but let's right. just keep it simpler where, where you would uh, just delay breakfast or eat dinner a little earlier. And so you could, you could play around with that. If you've done 12 hour eating windows for a while, maybe you'd put it to 10 for a month, 10 hour eating window every day for a month, or, or maybe not every day, maybe five days a week. You know, there's different ways to do it. You don't have to be like exactly the same every day necessarily, right. uh, but that would kind of be the next step. And that's just what we call time restricted eating, which is sometimes called intermittent fasting, but kind of a more accurate term is time restricted eating, where you're just kind of shortening the eating window um, on a daily or maybe every other, every, a few days a week or, or whatever basis. Right. Yeah. Excellent. So, so how long then does it take to like, to start realistically feeling better? You know, we, so many of these diet pills and such, oh, you'll lose 10 pounds in two weeks or whatever. So realistically, you know, if someone would, would start into intermittent fasting, what, what are some of the health benefits they're going to start feeling, you know, in the short term after they get over, I'm like you mentioned, there's this hump where you got to get over the the withdrawal of all of this garbage yeah. that's been shoveled in the body. But, but what do you think it, on, on the benefit side? How long does that usually take? Yeah, great question. So of course people want, I, I mean, what the benefits that they're usually looking for, it's either, either they're trying to lose weight, which is probably the most common one. Like mm -hmm. the reason people start doing things like this, or they had that kind of wake up call. We talked about at the beginning, like, oh no, my diabetes got really bad. Right. I had to go to the emergency room again. I, I guess I better make some changes. Right. Um, so if you're looking to lose weight, you want to do it fast, but it's probably better to just take your time. Mm -hmm. uh, and sure. for all the reasons that I mentioned, like if you rush into something like fasting and just you know, just do a whole bunch, it's going to be more difficult and you haven't gotten kind of mentally adapted or physically adapted to 
a new lifestyle. So it's going to be, you're probably going to just be doing a sprint and then giving up after a short time because you're like, this is too difficult. This is too difficult. Right, Um, right. So, and the same thing's kind of true with something like blood sugar, but it actually doesn't take very much fasting to improve your blood sugar. So I'll contrast those two, like weight loss and improving your blood sugar, which is Uh related to diabetes, of course. Right. Um, So the weight loss is usually kind of like a, has some ups and downs and it's kind of a gradual dropping mm-hmm. off, you know, once mm-hmm. people start doing fasting and, and, uh, some of the people really experienced with this say women take a little longer at first to uh-huh. start dropping off the pounds. Um, so, so to put it in perspective, um, it's the first six weeks or so where the women are kind of usually not losing weight as fast as they want. And then they kind of pick up some steam if they keep going, um, but it's, it's just really a bad idea to focus on weight loss every single day because right. there are hormonal changes, especially with, you know, the monthly cycle, but also just other things that happen every day where our weight goes up and down for lots of different reasons. So people get really myopic and they get really focused on weight loss. So if you're trying to lose weight, it, it will definitely happen, but you got to stick with things for not only a few weeks, but a few months to kind of mm-hmm. give your body a proper adaptation to let your weight to let your weight have some of those ups and downs, those little ups and downs, but working right. in, in the right general direction. So you really got to think in months rather than days, if you're talking about weight loss. Right. Now, to kind of contrast that, um, if you have high blood sugar, there was one study. So people with advanced type 2 diabetes are often on insulin where they're injecting insulin. We yeah. think of that with type one diabetes, but if you have really advanced type two diabetes, you know, doctors will often prescribe some insulin to inject. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there was one, one study where people started doing a 24 hour fast. I, it was either once or twice a week. So now I, now I'm kind of uh, forgetting, but, <laughs> but yeah. well, just think about it as either once a week or twice a week, either way, that's not like super extreme. Mm-hmm. And within, within just a few weeks, they were completely off their insulin. Now this wow. was a relatively small study with like 10 or 20 people, you know, it wasn't like some huge randomized controlled trial, Mm -hmm. but it was just like a proof of concept that it only takes a little bit of fasting to get you off insulin. If you're on insulin in the case of type two diabetes and to have some pretty noteworthy improvements in blood sugar. Now I'll caveat that, that blood sugar can have some ups and downs too. When people first start fasting where they're like, wait a minute, I haven't eaten in a whole day and my blood sugar is really high. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sometimes it'll do that just because you're going through all these different changes internally. Sure. Uh, but if you stick with it for a few weeks, you'll see a big improvement in blood sugar, I, I would believe. That's powerful. That really is. Okay, I got one last question. It's more on personal. So I go to the gym. Um, I'll affectionately call them some of the meatheads that I lift with, lift weights with. <laughs> they would freak out if I said, oh, you you got to eat six, seven times. You do, you're not getting enough calories to, to build muscle if you... Uh, if you cut out, if you're intermittent fasting, what, what would you say to someone like that who, uh, who would, who, who, sit, who would argue that, you know, you can't really work out, you need the calories to work out. And if you don't do that, you're not going to, you're not going to build muscle. Is, is there truth to balancing that out when you're in the gym or not? What do you think? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a great question and kind of brings up a good point that it depends on the demographic. It depends on your goals. Mm-hmm. What are your goals? You know, so if you're ripped, shredded, lean, and you're trying to build more muscle, right? Then it's debatable. It's debatable whether fasting is a good tool for you or not. And it right. may not be. It may not be optimal for building the maximum amount of muscle. Mm-hmm. Though in some cases, it works really well for getting sh- shredded, meaning like the getting rid of that subcutaneous body fat. Right. Uh, Hugh Jackman famously did that when he was preparing for some of the Wolverine movies mm-hmm. um, okay. to just kind of look extra, you know, ripped or whatever. Yeah, he did yeah. the time restricted eating or intermittent fasting. Uh, um, so you can, you can find articles about that online really easily. But, yeah. but if you're, if you're like just trying to build as much muscle as possible, I would say, you know, then don't, don't go crazy with the fasting. You could certainly do a little bit of time restricted eating and that wouldn't necessarily hurt your progress too much. But yeah, I mean, you probably wouldn't want to fast for five days in a row. If your main goal, if your main goal is to build lots of muscle, but, but let's make it a little more realistic. So that the bodybuilders are pretty small subset of the population. (laughs) Yes, they are. Um, So there's, (laughs) but, but if we're talking about someone who's actually pretty 
overweight. Mm-hmm. But and maybe they're strong and maybe they like lifting weights, but they have a lot of extra body fat. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's definitely worth it for the health benefits to do some fasting in that scenario because right. it's not like you're going to lose all your muscle. That's one of those old wives' tales. You're not uh, going to lose all your muscle, and you can actually keep doing some light workouts while you fast, um, uh-huh. especially if you keep your electrolytes up, salt, salt in particular, right. um, it, in general. Um, but for those kind of people, which is most people that mm-hmm. are not a bodybuilder, maybe they like to work out, maybe they don't, but they have extra body fat. That's where fasting has a ton of benefit and can help prevent a lot of these medical problems that we've been talking about. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and I think, it, you know, you've, you've enlightened us so much on this. I think I might, I've never actually thought of, I've never paid attention to when I eat in all, even on a whole foods diet, you know. I, I never count calories in a whole foods diet. If it's a fruit or a vegetable, I just eat it. I don't ever, <laughs> I, I, you know, and, and I don't overeat it because I'm not going to sit and eat five plates of lettuce and, and carrots, you know, you get full and you just don't want to eat anymore. But I've never thought like when I eat, I just, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner is pretty much when I eat and grab a snack here and there of a apple or an orange or whatever. And, but I, but this is, I'm actually going to give, give this, uh, give, give this a shot and pay attention to when I'm eating. Cause I think the benefits are awesome, but, but so Ben, so tell us a little bit about, you know, your, how, how people who want to follow you, how they can, where they can maybe get in touch with you or see the things you're writing or, or newsletters, whatever you got available to you. Yeah. So I have a website, it's fastingwell.com, fastingwell.com. So uh, I started that last year in 2020, and I've written a lot of articles or blog posts on there. And I have an email newsletter, um, which is where I would encourage people to go. Uh, you can basically go to the homepage. There's a few other places where you could sign up as well okay. and sign up for the email newsletter. I do have a, a freebie that I'm offering there. I think by the time this airs, it'll probably be what I am what I call an intermittent fasting checklist, awesome. which is just kind of like all the things you need to be aware of or consider before you start intermittent fasting. Um, but, but maybe even more importantly, just in the emails themselves, I kind of have a, uh, a sequence of emails that kind of walks you through step-by-step how to get started. And then I, you know, I'm always kind of periodically sending out new information and things to the, uh, to people that are on the email newsletter. So, and I, I am planning to start a podcast, uh, probably won't be as polished as this one at first, but, but, uh, (laughs) it's tentatively, tentatively scheduled for mid October this year, 2021 to to start that. Yep. Well, congrats on that. So, so yeah, everybody, by the way, I'll put, I'll put a link to, to Ben's website down below, you know, in the comments area. So please, you know, go and go and check it out. I mean, the science is behind this. We need to, I mean, our country's just at an epidemic of, of, I'll just say it, fatness. We are just too fat. <laughs> we yeah. are. I mean, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but we're not eating right. We're not taking care of our bodies. We're putting things inside of our bodies that in many ways are poisonous and they're not good for us. And, you know, it's causing people to get sick and die before they need to die. We need to pay attention to this stuff because it's, it's, it's that important. So Ben, I want to Thank you once again for coming out here and, and sharing that knowledge with us. It's, it's been great. Yeah, my pleasure. It was a fun conversation. Awesome. Thank you. All right, Ben, we're done. There we go. I think that went really well. I'll just make sure I edit out that one little chunk. There yeah, that, yeah, that obviously. We, yeah, we got stuck. But but yeah, no, I think I think this will go really well. Such a good, good conversation. Hey, I got one question for you. I have a uh-huh. son who's been on keto for like eight going on not quite eight years probably six years now he's skinny as a skinny as a rail is that a good long-term health thing i mean because you know he doesn't like he doesn't he won't eat fruit Mm. because you know in the keto they he he says that fruit and sugar is the same as eating sugar from and i'm like no it it is not it's not the same Uh i mean is that healthy and and he'll hardly eat a vegetable vegetables are supposed to be okay in keto as long as you keep the carbs down but but he doesn't like to eat that either i mean is that a good lifestyle i I worry about you know just the fixation on the meat and the fats for all the time Uh uh-huh yeah so i think it depends on who you ask so you know is keto healthy long term 
it, that's hard to answer because there's not like any really, really long-term studies right. that look at that. Um, can it be, can you get nutrition just from, you know, mostly meat or whatever? I, it kind of depends. Uh, so like we're out of the habit of eating organ meats, but certain organ meats have tons of nutrition. Like a, the liver is like the more nutrition nutritious than any vegetable, huh, uh, for example. Really? Wow. So I have no idea if your son eats a variety of different stuff, yeah. but even with all that, now some people swear by the so-called carnivore diet, just because they, they feel like taking out the plants, like remove certain inflammatory effects and other problems and helps their mental health and all this stuff. Right. So there's a whole contingent of people that are like, Oh, carnivore is the way to go, at least for them personally. Yeah. Um, so there, so it's a little bit subjective or personal, but I think for the majority of people having uh, like you can be on keto and you can have some, use some non-starchy vegetables. So not the potatoes or the sweet potatoes, right. and you can still stay in ketosis fairly easily, especially if yeah. you're doing some exercise. Um, and you can even have, well, at least berries, berries are relatively low in sugar mm -hmm. um, compared to other fruits. So having some berries and having some leafy greens and a few other vegetables, it's very doable and you can do it on a ketogenic diet. So yeah. he, so it, I think it would be reasonable to sway to at least try it out if he hasn't already yeah. to kind of swing back the other way a little bit and yeah. just see like, Oh, can I introduce a few of these things, the ones that are lower in sugar and yeah. still, you know, maintain this ketogenic yeah. diet. Yeah. We were out there. He lives in San Diego and we're out there and every morning the bacon's frying and it's like the grease is, I'm like, Oh my gosh, you can't be eating that all that. <laughs> <laughs> he swears and i mean it it he's i mean he's healthy but yeah. i worry about the long term of like going so extreme and not eating any fruits and any vegetables certain nutrients gonna, yeah you, you know that's the thing that always worries me but but anyway so interesting uh, yeah but all right well good deal ben well i'm gonna let you go i think we we hit a little bit longer than right but hey no no we had till 12 oh it's yeah we finished right around 10 30 yeah think, so, that, so that worked out that's not bad at all about a perfect timing. So again, thank hey. you, Ben. It was a pleasure to meet you. Good luck yeah, with you your podcast well. too. I hope it yeah. goes great for you. Yeah, thanks a lot. All right. Thanks we'll for your time. You. All right, Have bye. a good one. Bye. You too. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. I so hope you found value in the topic today. You know, every single day, if we can expand our perspective just a little bit on any range of topic, whether it be about our physical body, intellectual sharpness and perspective, or spiritual growth, then if we stay consistent in the long run, we all become more well-rounded people able to cope with all manner of events in life. I always appreciate you clicking like or follow to this podcast. Generally, a new episode is published every single week. And please, if you have any questions or comments, I would love to hear about them. With that, I hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week until we talk again.